Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Morning, Joe. So we are recording today's episode in the morning of Friday, the 6th of November. We finished last week's episode saying that the UK government was desperately trying to avoid another lockdown, um, but that we had a sense of deja vu from the spring as other European countries were starting to impose restrictions on movements. And then, of course, over the weekend, the government did decide to impose an England-wide lockdown. And we've now got four weeks of restricted <coughs> movement and obviously restricted economic activity to come. So that has rather inevitably forced another new economic plan. We talked last week quite a lot about the job support scheme, which had been due to replace the original coronavirus job retention furlough scheme. That has now, that job support scheme has now been postponed indefinitely, and we're back to furlough. Um, There, the original level of 80% has been promised until at least the end of December. The scheme itself is going to run until March. 2021, but there is going to be a review in January. So we don't really know what that will look like beyond the end of 2020. Um, There's also been the Bank of England Monetary Policy Committee meeting. The minutes were released yesterday. Um, We'll talk a bit more in detail. I suppose a high level of that is that GDP, they're forecasting to be 9% lower by the end of 2020. Um, And that's a downward revision of 2% from what they were saying in September in their last report. Um, and also, I just wanted to touch on um, on Brexit, because as far as I'm aware, Nick, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, the current UK government position, which was set out by the Prime Minister on the 16th of October in that televised address, was that businesses should be prepared for a no deal leaving of the EU. Yes. And yet the Bank of England, in its a policy um, monetary policy committee report, has stated that all its assumptions are on the basis that the UK will leave the EU in an orderly way with their projections. Actually, slightly more than that this time around, because what they've actually said um, is they're now assuming that um, the UK will obtain a, quotes, Canada, unquotes, style deal. So there we are. That's And I mean, I looked at this this morning again, just before we started recording, I looked to see what the latest news was with the Brexit talks, because that's been all obviously with, with everything going on with COVID and with the US presidential election, that's been way down the news agenda. Um, and I think even just yesterday, David Frost, who's the UK chief negotiator, um, was saying there are wide divergences that remain between the two sides. And, and time is really quite rapidly. I think there's a kind of middle of November effective deadline in order for any deal to actually pass through the, the legislative process that it needs to do and both in the EU and the UK. So, um, and there's also, I mean, again, we'll finish on Brexit in a sec, the National Audit Office published a report earlier this week, which is pretty damning of UK border preparedness. Um, they need, we, we, we will be processing around about 270 million customs declarations a year, com- according to HM Revenue and Customs. Um, and that compares with 60 million at present and as far as the national audit office can see there's not really any realistic um, prospect of those being able to be done um by the first of january dover is the the head the guy that runs dover port is saying that it's not a question of systems actually it's a question of process because they haven't really been told what the what the process should be um to, to yes i mean it's very interesting <coughs> joe because um the, the uh, buried among the 
details of the Bank of England's uh, forecast um, was a comment that they reckoned that a third of British businesses were not yet ready for Brexit. And to be honest with you, you know, you can sort of understand why that would be, because they still don't know what they're preparing for, because, as, you know, you've got the government sort of facing in two directions at once, saying there'll be no deal, prepare for it, and also saying, yes, but we're going we're gonna to have a deal. The Bank of England is saying it's going to be a Canadian, a Canada mm. uh, deal. So if you're running a business... Goodness knows what you're supposed to be um, <clears throat> doing at the moment. And there is the most wonderful bit of gobbledygook in the Bank of England uh, forecast that talks about um, uh, considerable uncertainty about the impact that the initial adjustment uh, to the new trading relationship will have on trade and activity mm-hmm. and its duration. And then the thing that really concerns me about the way they think, any implications for slack and inflation, not sure what slack is, are judged likely to be small, however, as the process of adjustment should be temporary and then the real killer, and will probably affect both supply and demand. Now, from an economist's economist point of view, that may be fine, because I think they're saying that from a GDP point of view, it's a zero-sum game. Like balance of trade gonna, type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to have on one side, if demand is affected because of the, the change, then exporter sales will drop. Mm-hmm. And if supply is affected on the other side, supply chains will be disrupted. So anyway, in, in, in enough of this gibber speak, um, because we don't know what the outcome will uh, will, will, will be. Um, the other thing I want to just pick up um, from your introduction is just a bit of background. Uh, the Bank of England, and again, this was interesting because the Bank of England comes out at seven o'clock in the morning yesterday yep. with this forecast. And three hours later, uh, Rishi Sunak stands up and blows a complete hole in, in, in their entire rationale for the forecast with his furlough scheme reinstatement um, statement. And um, apparently the Treasury continues to say that it didn't tell the Bank of England what it was going to say, which I find extraordinary, but you know, may, that may well be true. That may be true. But just out of interest, um, the bank was saying before this extension was announced that they expect 5.5 million people to be furloughed. What, in November? In November, because at that stage, it was only a month, remember? Yes. It was a one-month extension. Um, And and there is a difference here. It's interesting. That would mean that that would cover one in five private sector employees. At the peak of the first lockdown, it was one in three. So it 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 is less. Um, than before, which is which is at least some good news. Although we know um, that, but although we know that a lot of jobs have been lost <laughs> in this period, and you know there has been um, quite a lot of talk, haven't there, of, of, because this was announced so late um, mm. in the day that redundancies that needed to be made before the end of October had already actually been been made yeah. by that point. So um, yeah, as ever, this is such a, a human cost um, that's being that's being taken. I know, and it's very interesting that the announcement, the furlough announcement, um, drew, um, I know Paul Johnson at the IFS a little bit, and he's a very, very he's, first of all, he's the, by far the wisest head out there about what's what's going on, it has been for years. Um, and he, he can be quite feisty, but I've never seen him quite as feisty as he was after this announcement. And, and his anger 
and it is genuine anger, is focused on the fact, the bluntness of this. Mm. You know, this, 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 it's not targeted. It's going to do what the government has said consistently wouldn't do, which is to support jobs that are already unviable. It should be targeted, so Paul Johnson says, and I agree with him, uh, it should be targeted on those sectors that can be helped and those parts of those sectors that have a future. You know, it should not be a blunderbuss because what we're going to get yet again is lots of companies putting people on furlough and then in a fit of sort of embarrassment, repaying the money in three or four or six months' mm. time because they didn't need it. Um, and the last thing the Treasury needs right now is, is money sloshing around in deposit accounts in, in major corporates just because they, they could borrow, they borrowed it because they could. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you think about the the restrictions that were um, were going to be imposed under the old tier system, the help that was being given under that tier three section was was targeted really at companies that have been forced to close. And again, I think that's that is the criticism of the the basically blanket, as you say, extension of the of the furlough yep. is that it's open regardless of whether the businesses have been forced. Now, I suppose, you know, in the past we've said, oh, but if you just target on companies that are forced to close, you miss the supply chain and you miss yep. those those companies further down the chain who aren't officially forced Absolutely. to close, but of course have got a massive um, dent in their um, in their sales. So, you know, I, it's obviously a hugely complex um, problem to have to, to deal with. Yes, it is. And it's, yes. a, it's to be welcomed um, in the sense that it will save, job. it won't save every job, but it will save some jobs. Um, but, you know, this is not the end. There will be lots of ramifications um, that that come out over the over the coming months and years. Yes, that's right. And it's it's just a it's just a kicking of the of the can down the uh, uh, right. down down the road. As I said to you just now, the problem is that this government has U-turned so often um, on financial support for the for the economy that I'm not sure it's got any idea which direction the road is heading anymore. But anyway, you know, yeah. so we've got the Bank of England forecast. We've got yeah. this extension. Um, I thought it was quite interesting. Um, at the same time as the Bank of England dropped its forecasts on us, the EU also uh, decided to release its uh, economic forecasts. And it is striking that the EU is... Uh, is very much more cautious about how quickly this recovery is going to take place. Um, they're saying that the EU economy will contract by 7.4% in 2020, which is a bit less than the UK at 9, 9% yeah. on the latest forecast. And that presumably is taking into account the current um, lockdown. Yes, it is. Because last week, is. we talked about all the, the figures that were coming out last week for Q3 GDP, but of course, that was that was backward looking figures and it was coming out at the very time when, when all the economies were looking. Um, at yeah. Down, you've, got so. to, you've got to remember with the EU that um, the pandemic is anything between two and four weeks ahead of the UK. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, the you know, EU economy 7.4% down in 2020, they don't mm -hmm. predict that that ground, that lost ground will be regained until early 2023. Gosh. Okay. On that. And when you look at, um, Unemployment, because um, EU unemployment is, uh, for many reasons, higher than it is here. We were 3.9% in 2019. The EU uh, was 6.7%. Right, okay. But again, the EU is saying that um, the unemployment rate will rise from 67 to 77 in 2020, 
in 2020, mm-hmm. it'll be 8.6% in 2021. It'll still only be, eight, it'll still be as high as 8% in 2022. So there again, yeah. they're saying 2023 is before any return to anything that they, they recognise. And um, on the other hand, you know, they have higher unemployment, but lower GDP debt uh, ratios than we do okay. now. And so they were at 85, 86% um, debt to GDP in 2019, going up to 102% this year, 100 and bit more, 102.5% 2021, and still rising in 2022. Still rising in 2022, gosh, okay. Still rising in 2022. Wow. <clears throat> so the EU, I think, is saying, you know, we've talked endlessly over the last few months about the shape of this recession. Um you know, we've we've quite clearly here gone from a V to the start of a W, mm. and the Europe is saying um, the climb back up the other leg of the W is going to take quite a long time. And it's true. I think even the Bank of England are starting to now acknowledge this scarring effect. And yep. if you think back to where we were in in March and April time when we were getting those the start of the do you know the Office for Budget Responsibility forecasts. Yes. And they had, I think they had three um, forecasts at that point. And in their their, their worst one um, was talking a lot about scarring. And I think perhaps the the shapes are slightly different, but the that that scarring impact is certainly something that we're we're oh, going to start yeah, to to see without definitely. doubt, without doubt. Very definitely. Yeah. So the other thing I, I picked up during this uh, this last week is the EY Item Club yes. published mm-hmm. some research about business borrowing from banks here in the UK. And they are now predicting, I mean, again, it's no great surprise, but it's interesting to see it uh, spelt out in black and white. Um, They're saying that um, business borrowing from banks will rise fivefold in 2020. So they're expecting, I mean, in the first eight months of the year, um, net borrowing was 43.2 billion. Mm -hmm. Uh, in the same period last year, it was nine billion. So it's 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 five times. Um, interesting um, use of phraseology in the um, in in the release about the research. Firms have been adding to their borrowing in order to survive the pandemic, as their sales have slumped. Mm. So they're borrowing to cover the losses, mm. and and they they do say. And again, there's a real. Uh, there's a real sort of layering, tiering going on here because it's clear that they're, they're saying the bigger companies are borrowing but are already repaying and yeah. have already repaid some of their loans. But it's at the bottom end of the market where uh, you know, where, where it's going to um, hit worst. And again, another line from the report. Um, For the vast majority of firms, the loans appear to have been critical and it's forecast that they won't start to repay debt and reduce their borrowings until 2022 or even later. And that's so interesting, isn't it? Because I was looking at something earlier in the week for the, the Bank of England. I think, and I guess this is all the, the stats are all driven from the same sources. Bank of England had a very telling graph showing the rise in borrowing. And you see the initial in, in March, April, May, large businesses mm-hmm. borrow quite substantially but as you say that has now started being paid back and the the thing that is still rising is SMEs and I think that was at the end of September something like 23% increase in borrowing for um for SMEs and and don't 
um, forget that, that we know SMEs historically tend to be averse to borrowing. I think the, the British Business Bank um, survey from earlier in the year said something like 70% of SMEs would prefer to forego growth rather than to borrow. Yeah. And now so many of these companies have been forced into borrowing to survive and don't have experience necessarily of what it what it means to have that debt on the yeah. on the balance sheet. Mm-hmm. So navigating our way out of this um, in a kind of new environment is also going to be quite tricky. Yeah. And I, and I can tell you from 20 odd years of dealing with people in financial difficulties with with excessive debt, you know, when I was a insolvency practitioner, it changes behaviours. And we, again, we've talked often in these sessions about confidence and about investment. Mm. And if you're running a smallish business and you're borrowing for maybe the first time, um, or you're not comfortable with borrowing, the one thing you are not going to be is aggressive or as entrepreneurial yeah. as you would expect normally to be, which has you know fairly uh, serious implications for future growth because you only get growth from investment. Mm. It doesn't happen magically by itself. Mm. And we know that that's already hugely um, suppressed. Again, the Bank of England has some yeah. some figures on the on the business investment. Um, Nick, I'm conscious time is is running on again. We always manage to we always <laughs> manage to fill these these slots quite easily, don't we? Thank you very much for the um, for the roundup. I suppose in conclusion, it's quite a brief conclusion um, this week. And you, you know, you look at what Rishi Sunak has done yesterday, and I think if ever there was a warning that things are pretty bleak, the speed at which he performed this U-turn, having after months saying that the furlough scheme would not be extended, to do that within the space of well less than a week, you know, think about where we were last week. Um, I think that that kind of tells us all we need to know about rocky times ahead. Frankly, indeed. <clears throat> Well, Nick, thanks again very much for, for joining me this morning. Thank you. I wish, for, I, could, I, wish I could say the uh, material was a pleasure, but uh, uh, well, no. talking to everybody, everybody always is. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.